0: Before we get into the sermon, let me pray, and then we'll get into it. God, you are good, and you alone are good. Um, We pray that you would bless this church, bless the ministry here, that uh, people would fuel your love, that we would love one another as you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, to start, I have a question. What does it mean to be a friend? Now, a lot of people might have different answers to this. Some people might say it's somebody that you can be open and honest with. Uh, maybe it's somebody that would back you up in a fight. Uh, maybe it's somebody that's always available when you need. Maybe it's the first person that you would invite to a party. Uh, maybe somebody that calls you a friend, right? Because after all, friendship is not a one-way street. It is a two-way street. Or maybe simply you would say a friend is somebody that you love and somebody that loves you and this is actually something that Jesus touches on in John chapter 15. Uh, one thing that's absolutely certain is that to call someone a friend, there has to be love existing in that relationship. Right? If there's not love that's shared between two people, you can't really call that person a friend and this is what Jesus talks about John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we'll start in verse 12. He touches on a few things that make his disciples friends, but most central to what makes them friends of Jesus is love. So John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, imagine if Jesus just said, hey, uh, this is my commandment that you love one another, period. Or if you just said that, I could imagine that they would be kind of confused and wonder, hey, what kind of love are you talking about? I imagine when we read this, if Jesus were to say, hey, my commandment is that you love one another, we'd be a little bit confused. What do you mean by love, Jesus? Is it just a warm, fuzzy feeling? Is it just being nice to somebody? Is love just doing something for another person? But as we know, and we can observe this in our own society, a lot of people like to define love for themselves. Our society has all sorts of ideas about love, but it doesn't know a single thing about love. Uh, Jesus tells us what he means. He doesn't leave us in the dark by what he means by love. He tells us his love, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's how we are to love one another. He actually gets more specific about this kind of love. Verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend's so it's not a, just the general well-wishing kind of love. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's specifically talking about a love in which someone is willing to lay down their life for their friends, to live life in a way that says, I value your life more than mine. Your life is more important than mine. Talk about humility. A completely selfless kind of Love. And let's not kid ourselves. And I'd be the first one to confess, I don't love like this. We don't love like this. Maybe there are moments where we do. Maybe there are times where we truly love our spouse as we should. Maybe there are times in which we truly love our children as we should. Maybe there are times where we truly love our friends as we should, but we would be lying if we said we did all the time. By and large, we don't love like this. There's only ever one person who has been on earth who has loved like this completely, totally, and without ceasing. Jesus. Jesus loved his friends like this all the time. First half of verse 14, we continue. He says, you are my friends. It's kind of crazy to think about this whole text. We have the big picture right in front of us. We know where Jesus is headed, but it doesn't seem that they understand this. And Jesus is just just right on the edge of just telling them, hey, you're my friends. I'm going to die for you. If you notice what he says here, notice what he says here. He says, you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. You just rearrange those words slightly, and he's basically clearly telling them, hey, this is the plan, that Jesus is going to die for his friends. He has the greatest kind of love for them. But what's the evidence that they're friends of Jesus? Well, verse 14 tells us, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do what Jesus commands, you are his friend. If you don't do what Jesus commands, you are not his friend. Now you may think, hold up, is Jesus implying here that he he only lays down his life for his friends? You might think, I thought that Jesus came and that he died, that the world might be saved. Right, if you recall John 3, verses 16 through 18, yeah, that's what it says. But here's the thing about Jesus' atoning death. Jesus' atoning death applies to those who believe. Yes, Jesus in a general sense died for the world, but his death applies to those who believe, applies to his friends, those who keep his Commandments And what commandment, if you recall, what commandment do we have in mind? The commandment that is most central, the commandment that Jesus most emphasizes in chapters 13 through 17, love. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, we read there, Jesus says, in response to one of the Pharisees, if I have it in the slides, I believe I do, if I don't, that is my fault. But Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Uh, the Pharisee asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus is very clear about what is most central. But if you're not focusing on love, you miss the whole picture. You miss what is most central to Jesus' teaching if you do not love, if you're not focused on love. And he continues in John chapter 15, verse 15. Jesus says to his disciples, he tells us more things that make them friends. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You get the general idea here. Think about like a, just as a parallel of sorts, a boss and their employees. A boss generally doesn't tell their employees everything that's going on, right? But not here. Jesus is not like a boss and they're not like employees. Jesus is telling them, hey, I've told you all that the father has told me. Right, now, I don't know exactly why that makes them friends, but Jesus says, hey, this is part of the reason why you're friends, because I have made known to you all that the Father has told me. And I want you to pay attention here. Right? Jesus did not say, I have made known to you everything there is to know about everything. He didn't say that. Rather, he has made known all he has heard from the Father. That makes them friends. And another thing that makes them friends of Jesus, in the first half of verse 16 here, he says first five words here, you did not choose me. They did not choose Jesus. If you think about each of them were called, right? Not one of them initiated. Not one of them initiated. Jesus, Jesus chose them. They did not choose to follow Jesus on their own. Jesus came to them, and it's actually an interesting historical contrast here. In their time, the students would choose the rabbis, but Not with Jesus. Jesus chose his students. He chose them. That makes them friends. And I know that obviously these words immediately apply to them, but I think this applies to us. We didn't choose Jesus. I think this is a a reality we see in Scripture that we all need to grab a hold of. We did not choose Jesus. Yes, we believe. We believe, but not apart from his work. Think about this in the grand scheme of things. They didn't choose Jesus. Because Jesus chose them, because Jesus chose to work through them, they then preached the gospel, and then other people came to believe because of the preached word. And then more people preached the word, and so on, and so on, and so on, until we are here now. Why are we here now? Because of Jesus' work. So ultimately, I don't think we... Choose Jesus. We are only here because Jesus has done his work, because the apostles were a means through which Jesus worked. So why does he choose his apostles? Why does he choose us now? He tells us, second half of verse 16, he says, But I chose you, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the name of my Father, he may give it to you. He chose us so that we bear fruit and so that this fruit lasts. And if you recall from last week, how do we bear fruit? Abiding in the vine. As a branch abiding in the vine, that's how we bear fruit. What does it look like to abide in the vine? What's the result of that? We read last week. That means to keep his commandments, which is ultimately to love as he has loved us. So he chose them, he's chosen us, to bear fruit, and so that fruit will last. He has chosen us, He has called us to lives that produce fruit that last. Meaning fruit that's not temporary. He called them, He chose them to to live lives, to produce fruit that's not temporary. And what's the evidence of this? Look around. Some 2,000 years later. Fruit. Now in the text, fruit is not just one thing. It's not just gaining numbers in the church. Yes, that certainly is part of it, but so much of it deals with spiritual growth. If you look at John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in chapter 15, verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You see the connection there? Right? To love is directly connected with bearing fruit. You can't really separate those two. Right? To love and to grow in love is so much of what it means to bear fruit. And let me address this because I know there are concerns. It's not a mystery to me that a lot of people here think about what was in this church. Uh, people think about the, the amount of people that were once here, the, the classrooms that used to be filled, uh, the people that are now gone that used to be here. Um, some people may be worried about it, uh, may be worried about the lack of fruit, maybe worried about maybe you think that there's been fruit that's been lost. But I would be lying. I would be lying if I didn't say, if I said I didn't think about that at all. But here's the thing about this when we talk about fruit, when we talk about numerical growth, because that is part of bearing fruit in a church. I don't want that fruit. I don't want that fruit if it's not brought by love. We should not want that fruit if it's not brought. By love. Or we could, have the, we could have the largest church in Arkansas, but if we don't have love, it doesn't matter. When you think of the apostles and the numbers they added and the early church, that was not apart from radical love. And Jesus didn't say to them, He didn't say to His disciples that You know what, you prove to be my disciples you have the largest church. We prove to be His disciples if we love just as He has loved us. We prove to be His friends if we love one another just as He has loved us. And so I'm going to be honest with you, if you want to see this church grow, if you want to see our church bear fruit, One word, love. Because there, if, there, if there is no love and we're gaining numbers, then it's not real fruit. It's not fruit that lasts. At that point, it's just a business. Let me close with Jesus' words, verse 17. He says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Right? If he wasn't already clear... If Jesus wasn't already clear with what's most central, what makes us his friends, what really bears true fruit, it's love. So come share in this love, receive this love, as we stand and sing.